welcome and uh, good day to you who are watching this session with Grace Point Church of Ephrata, Washington. I especially want to welcome our church family as we are going through this Advent season, moving our way up to the Christmas holiday. Also, I want to welcome any guests who have found us online, and we are thankful that you are here also. As I've said, we've been uh, going through an Advent session uh, season, and uh, in these sessions, we're looking at the songs of Christmas, the real songs of Christmas. Uh, the four songs that Luke recorded for us in the first two chapters, what is called the birth narrative or the nativity uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Well, this morning, I was wondering if anybody's ever called you a nobody. Uh, I think I remember back in grade school, I was determined that I didn't want to be a nobody, and yet uh, people kept reminding me that I was a nobody. And that seems to be our culture today, uh, which seeks for fame and fortune, uh, that sometimes we are considered to be just nobodies in this world. Well, as we've looked at uh, these first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, We've seen a bunch of nobodies, and we will see another one today and a couple more next session as we move up to Christmas Day. Uh, we looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were really nobodies in Israel. He was a priest taking his service in the temple. Elizabeth was uh, of past childbearing age, remember them? And uh, also we looked at the shepherds. Boy, talk about nobodies. Uh, they were of a lower caste in uh, the society of Israel, and uh, they served out taking care of the sheep out in the, in the fields by night. And we looked at the shepherds. Today, we're going to look at a young teenager named Mary. And, of course, uh, she was, of all people, kind of a nobody, a teenager, a woman. And uh, next week, we will look at Simeon and Anna. And uh, they were quite aged also, but they were kind of nobodies also. And in their day, they were unknown in their contexts, uh, in their culture, in their nation. And had it not been for these unknown people, these nobodies, our understanding of uh, the nativity or the birth narratives of John and Jesus uh, would be lacking, quite lacking. And so Luke includes these nobodies. Uh, I like the quote from Jim Elliott, who was a uh, messenger to the Alka Indians in South America. He was martyred for his faith. He once said, and he once identified missionaries as those who are something like a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. A bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. And that's exactly, as believers in Christ, what we should be. Even though you may feel like a nobody today, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are having the great privilege of exalting somebody. And as we approach the holiday and the Christmas season and the remembrance <clears throat> of the first advent of Christ, we are exalting him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we are all embroiled in our own day-to-day -day activities and the needs and the, the busyness and the difficulties of a pandemic uh, we need to remember the magnificence of the first advent of Jesus Christ, of glory coming down in the form of Christ. And it's a moment to slow down during these sessions and as we move up to Christmas for you and those around you, your loved ones, your family, to focus on what is really eternal, what is really eternal. And so in the past couple of sessions, we've looked at the Song of Zacharias uh, found in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. We looked last session at the angel song 
the Gloria in Excelsis Deo in Luke 2.14. And today we're coming to Mary's song, and it's called the Magnificat. The Magnificat, which is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 48 through 55. If you take your copy of God's Word, <clears throat> turn to the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament and turn to chapter 1 again. Very familiar passages if you grew up in the church. Every Christmas you hear these passages read, you read them yourselves. There's multitudes of devotionals based upon these passages at this time of year. And as we move up uh, to Christmas Day, it is still good to review the old, old story and to review uh, why it matters to us today. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look into a few verses here and then look at this song in Luke chapter 1. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day of life. Thank you for your blessings in each one of our lives. And I pray today that you would give us eyes to see your blessings, even in the midst of difficulty, loneliness, isolation, uh, perhaps uh, physical and emotional difficulty. But Lord, uh, build us up spiritually, build us up and remind us of the greatness of your character and that the Lord Jesus Christ came, that he invaded this planet, that he took on human flesh and that he is the God-man. And this babe in the manger grew up to die on the cross for our sins and rise again, gaining, gaining victory over sin and death. We praise you for that. In Jesus' powerful name, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, if you've been with us, you know in the Zechariah story of the, uh, the uh, God, the angel Gabriel promising Zacharias and Elizabeth a son, even though they were past childbearing years, and Elizabeth uh, became pregnant and was going to have a child. And in verse 24 of chapter 1, it says, After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, meaning Zacharias, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months. And then verse 26, now in the sixth month, in other words, her pregnancy was six months along. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And of course, you know that Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was going to bear the Christ child, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, the prophets had prophesied of him. Isaiah had prophesied of him 700 years previously. And uh, there had been a 400-year period of silence between Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, in our copies of God's Word. And so this was like a breaking forth of God's connection with his world. They were hearing from him again. And the, Gabriel tells uh, Mary here, it says this, Verse 27, this virgin who is engaged to a man whose name is Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Uh, but she was very perplexed. Can you imagine? Here's this teenage girl. Keep this in mind. She's probably in her mid to late teens uh, and a female in Nazareth. And he came to her and says she is favored. Uh, but she was perplexed, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Again, that re repetition of a human encounter with an angelic being, of a divine, divine being. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Favor is, you know, really that concept of grace, unmerited favor. Out of all of the thousands 
of women in Israel and in the, in the Middle East in that day, Mary was the one that God chose. And the angel goes on to say, you will conceive this child. And she says, how will that happen? I have not known a man. And the angel told her that God will come upon her. The Holy Spirit will come upon her. And this child will be called Jesus, the Son of God. And then he tells her about Elizabeth, who was also, in a sense, miraculously with child, because physically it was impossible for Zacharias and Elizabeth to have children. Elizabeth was her cousin, and so it tells us that uh, <clears throat> Mary said in verse 38, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And you see those little words there, may it be done to me according to your word. And uh, talk about a submissive spirit, a spirit of faith, a spirit of anticipation of looking to what God is doing. And in verses 39 through, or 46 through, excuse me, 39 through 45, get my numbers right here, 39 through 45, it's like a prelude to the song that we are going to look at, the Christmas song, Mary's Christmas song. And in 39 through 45, in this passage, uh, she makes the journey, it says in 39 and 40, that now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry uh, to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, time is compressed for us in Scripture, especially in these narrative sections. It probably took Mary three to four days to walk from Nazareth down to the hill country in Judah. And so this was quite a journey for a young, young woman. And she went down to Zacharias and Elizabeth's home, her cousin's home. She speaks to Elizabeth. And so Mary is acting on her beliefs. This is a journey of faith. I mean, she's had this encounter with this angel. Uh, she's been told she's going to have a child out of wedlock, basically, because she's not a com completely married, consummated with Joseph. And so Mary acts on her beliefs. In 41 through 45, we see Elizabeth rejoicing in this. This is an amazing passage. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, this is John, John the baptizer, we call him, or John the immerser. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember in the Gospels, before the book of Acts, this is still an Old Testament economy, and not everybody was always filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not indwell in Old Testament saints. He came upon them for special acts of obedience, power, and trust. And it says here that she was filled, Elizabeth, this aging woman who was with child, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. Notice she's already, because the Holy Spirit has instructed her that this baby that is going to be born to Mary is the Lord. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth's declaration of the blessing filled with the Holy Spirit. And these, both of these women are servants of the Lord. They are submissive to his will. I was reading about uh, Apollo astronaut Colonel James Irwin, and uh, following the moonshot he had taken part in, the Apollo uh, trip to the moon, he realized that as a result of his unique mission, many it, it, back on Earth would consider him some kind of a superstar. 
for sure, he was an international celebrity for his uh, being an astronaut. And humbled by the awesome goodness of God, Jim Irwin shared his true feelings, which went something like this. And I'm quoting Colonel James Irwin. As I was returning to Earth, I realized that I was a servant, not a celebrity. So I am here as God's servant on planet Earth to share what I have experienced that others might come to know the glory of God. What a humbling experience and what an amazing thing. And so in response to the situation at hand, Mary recited a song which praised God's favor on her and her people. It's called the Magnificat. If you have a paper copy of God's word above this uh, song, uh, you'll see uh, an explanation of what follows, and it's called the Magnificat, excuse me. <clears throat> and what that is, that's a Latin term that is uh, roughly translated to the first words of this song, my soul exalts the Lord. And it's the magnificence, Magnificat. And so uh, this is her response. It consists mostly, almost entirely, of Old Testament allusions and quotations. The same is true of the songs of Zechariah, and we'll see next session, the song of Simeon. Uh, Mary's song has many similarities to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Mary praised God for his special favor to her. She saw her part in the, as one of the godly remnant that had served Almighty God. And she called God my Savior. She had an intimate acquaintance with him. Now, as we go through this, keep in mind that Mary was a teenage girl, and her memory of the Word of God, remember that every Jew didn't have a Bible, didn't have an Old Testament. They would go to synagogue, go to times of study with rabbis, and parents had the responsibility of bringing up their children in the admonition of the Lord. And so here she is quoting all sorts of Old Testament verses and alluding to many of them, and her recall is amazing and what God has done for her. Remember back in Luke 1, 28, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. As I said, that is a kind of a synonym for grace, unmerited favor, but the blessing that the Lord is with you. So we're going to see three things in this song, which goes from verse 46 through 55. And this is more of a survey. We won't unpack this song uh, completely, but it is a survey of the song. And we're going to see three things here. First of all, we're going to see that she praises God for his personal grace or personal favor in verses 46 through 49. She also praises God for his perpetual favor in verses 50 and 53. And then in 54 and 55, she praises God for his performed favor. Another way of looking at it is that she starts with herself and her favor to her personally, then expands it out to all people, and especially to the nation of Israel and God's promises to the nation Israel. And so in verses 46 through 49, it's praise for personal favor. Now remember, these songs, actually, each one of the four songs we're looking at of the first two chapters of Luke could be back translated into Hebrew, and they would fit the same form as the Psalms do, that Hebrew poetry in the book of Psalms. These are Psalms, uh, which uh, were Hebrew poetry, which could be sung. And so uh, this is praise for personal favor. Look at verses 46 through 49. In 46, Mary said, My soul exalts in the Lord. That's the Magnificat. And my spirit <clears throat> has rejoiced in God, my Savior. 
Isn't it interesting? She already knows that the Savior is coming. She has been taught uh, her short, young life that there is a Messiah coming, a rescuer to the nation Israel. And uh, she doesn't know. I mean, most, most people in Israel were thinking of a, a king on a horse, a war horse, which would release them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And yet this baby was going to come, this Messiah, this Savior. And so she was conscious. She was thinking of that. And, you know, our minds are amazing things and uh, amazing tool, amazing computers. And uh, God talks a lot about how we think and what's on our mind. And Mary, for her, she was thinking about her Savior. She was exalting the Lord. And her spirit is rejoicing, great joy in being redeemed. This issue of the Savior, that he is coming to redeem her from her sins. He is coming to rescue his people. And so we are the recipients of that today also. You know, many philosophers and writers have written about the importance of how we think. Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. The Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius put it this way, a man's life is what, he thought, what his thoughts make of it. Uh, William James said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering the attitudes of the mind. And in the Bible we find, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we see Mary here focused, first of all, on the Redeemer, this Savior, Lord, Lord my Savior, God my Savior. Uh, in this song, if you write in your Bible, which I encourage you to do so, or if you can highlight on your digital device, uh, eight times the phrase, he has, occurs in this song. In verse 48a, he's regarded, she is praising God for regarding her, or the idea of regarding is turning his eyes upon her. Look at 48, for he has had regard for the humble estate of his bond slave. Notice the two little words, he has, and we'll see eight occurrences of that or a form of that. What God has done, this is a praise for God, for personal favor, personal grace, he has regarded her. He has turned her eyes upon her, his eyes upon her. And then in 48 and 49, the rest of 48, he has rewarded her. Look at the second half of 48. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She became going from a nobody to being regarded by God to being rewarded by God that every generation since will remember her and uh, he, all generations will count me blessed. She was the one who bore the Christ child, the savior of the world, and the mighty one has done great things for me. So he, she's praising God for personal favor, for grace. Mary realized that God is doing something pretty wonderful through her life. After all, she means, uh, to this, she means that by which the God of eternity enters human history. While many of her day ridiculed her and talked about her, she knew that in days to come, others would look back on her obedience and know that she had been blessed in the Lord. Her reward was in the fact that God was to be glorified and others would be blessed by her actions. Now remember, in Israel in this day, a young woman like Mary, if she was found to be with child before she was fully married to the one she was betrothed to or, or engaged to, she could be stoned. 
Her father could stone her. Her to-be husband could stone her. This was a serious, serious deal that we do not fully understand because in our culture, uh, children born out of wedlock is you know no big deal. It just happens all the time. But in this culture, uh, she could have been stoned. But Mary praises God for his special favor upon her. Secondly, uh, in 50 through 53, she praises God for perpetual favor or perpetual grace, ongoing grace. She praises him for his special favor upon all people. Through the child she was, through the child she was to bear, God was being merciful to Abraham and his descendants, which we'll see in a moment. And uh, Mary was aware that the birth of her child was the fulfillment of the covenant promises to Abraham and for his people. So perpetual favor. Three things in verses 50 and 50 through 53. First of all, in verse 50, there is the permanence of his favor. The permanence, look at verse 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Generation to generation, that means forever and ever and ever. For those who fear him. The word is phobos. It's the word we get phobia from. It's a reverence and worship. When you think of a phobia... Uh, a phobia is something that is always on your mind. If you're fearful of something in this world and you just can't reconcile it, it's always on your mind. It's always there. Well, this idea of fearing God is the reverence and worship that he is always with you. He's always on his, your mind. He will never leave you nor forsake you. For generation to generation, he is permanent in his favor. And we are recipients of that. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, the grace extended to you, the unmerited favor in Jesus Christ, is a, a result of this promise that Mary recites going clear back into the Old Testament. In verses 51 and 52, not only the permanence of his favor, but the performance of his favor. Look at verse 51. And here's the he has, he has again. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And uh, verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. So this performance of his grace and his favor, God is an active God. He is a living God. He is vitally close and involved in the condition of the world, the condition of his people. So the permanence of his favor, performance of his favor, and thirdly, the promise of his favor in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent away the rich empty-handed in verse 53. Mary praises God for the, with these Old Testament quotations and allusions about his concern for the weak, for the poor, for the worthless, for the nobodies in all of the world. Uh, and so Mary is praising God not only for personal favor for herself, but for perpetual favor in the world. And then thirdly, she praises him for performed favor in verses 54 and 55. God remembers his promises. Look at this verse 54. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. You know, uh, for centuries, uh, the Jews had lived on the promise that the Lord, that he would one day send a deliverer, as the Old Testament prophets said, even going back to Genesis chapter 3, where God promises a deliverer from, the, from uh, Satan and from evil in the world. The Messiah was to redeem the people and restore the nation to a place of righteousness and favor with God. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of these promises, and he, Mary exalts his name and the name of the Lord for remembering to keep his promises. He always keeps his promises. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I need to remind you, and I need reminded, uh, day to day almost, that I need to remember that God keeps his promises. You know, he makes a lot of promise, promises throughout Scripture. Some have already been fulfilled. Others are yet to be fulfilled. But he will never allow anything that he has promised to go undone. Look at Romans 4.21, for instance. That is why he can be trusted in every situation in life. In the midst of old age, young age, uh, middle age, in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of unemployment, in the midst of physical difficulties, in the midst of relational difficulties, God can be trusted. Whether it be for salvation or for daily provision, God will do what he said he will do. Remember, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, learn, we need to learn to trust him. It is so easy to get our eyes fixed on the difficulties of the day, of our circumstances and our situation, that we forget that there is a loving God that is keeping track and looking over us, and he's going to fulfill his promises. We need to praise him for his goodness to us all even though the answer may not yet be seen. We live in a time where our future is very uncertain. But actually, every time, every era, the future is uncertain. Although the God who knows the future is a certain God. He knows. And we see here this morning, or today, that <clears throat> we can depend on the Lord. He will never let one of his promises fail. He will fulfill it. And God remembers his people. Look at verse 55. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. These last two verses are a reference back to what is called the Abrahamic covenant. Remember that in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God promised three things to Abraham. When Abraham didn't have any of those things, he promised him land, seed, and blessing. Land, seed, and blessed. And each one of those three things he expands on later in Scripture. In uh, the promise of national land, that Israel would have a, a land, a nation with land. And later on, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 30, we have the Deuteronomic Covenant, or the Palestinian Covenant, some people call it. It's a permanent restoration to the land. And then the promise of seed, numerous descendants to form a great nation. And uh, that's fulfilled in the Davidic covenant, a dynasty, a nation, a throne, and that is forever and ever in Second Samuel and all elsewhere. And then finally, the blessing, promise of redemption, national and universal. All families of the earth will be blessed. It's called the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. And so this is a promise that God has made, and it's unconditional. In the Old Testament, we see covenants that are conditional. In other words, it depends on... Uh, God and the person he's making the promise to to fulfill that, but yet there are unconditional covenants which only depend on what God's going to do. And the Abrahamic covenant is one of those. God will fulfill his covenants, his promises. He has not set aside those promises to Israel, to the people, and we are recipients uh, of, of the blessing. We are recipients of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Of course, ultimately, they will be fulfilled in what is called the millennium, when Jesus Christ rules literally on earth from the throne of David in Jerusalem, and the Davidic line continues forever and ever. God remembers his people. 
And Mary rejoices in this fact that, Lord, that the Lord has not forsaken his people, even though it seems like it, remember, it had been 400 years of silence, no sign of the Messiah until now, and they were his people and they still are. Uh, she praises his name and remembers that her faith is in him. And so we have reason for that kind of praise here today. Uh, as we approach the Christmas season, as we pause and reflect upon this babe in the manger, the one who would grow up, who would die on the cross of Calvary for our sins and would uh, be buried, rise again on the third day, gaining the victory over sin and over death. And he would ascend to the right hand of the Father. And so some here today, you know, you might be, feel like you're being deserted by God. Let me remind you that we do have that promise and it's in Matthew 28, 20, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you never have to worry about God forgetting about you. You don't have to worry about God thinking that you're just a nobody and not worth anything. And so you are forever impressed upon his heart. You are forever impressed upon the nail prints in Christ's hands. You are there. In fact, every time he looks uh, at Jesus, he sees you. As God the Father looks to Jesus, he sees, uh, he sees you. He looks at uh, in Ephesians 2.6. He will see you through this world and into the next. Remember, this life is not all there is. Uh, we are moving towards consummation. We are moving to completion, to the great shalom peace where we will be fulfilled and complete. He will save you and never lose you. He did not save you to forget about you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He saved you to take you home to be with him. It's a blessing that belongs to every believer in Christ. Again, the wonderful reason to praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 56, we see the postlude to this song. And it's Mary's stay with Elizabeth's in verse 56. Mary stayed with her about three months. In other words, through the birth of John. Remember, Elizabeth was with child for six months at this point of the song, and now Mary stays another three months. So John is born, John the baptizer, and uh, Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home, which is an indication that she was not yet married when it says she returns to her home. And so she remained there and she stayed with Elizabeth. You know, for each one of us, uh, this past year, as we come to Christmas and a new year, this past year, has come with much unexpected news, much significant changes, great uncertain future. And so the challenge is when we look at Mary, when God had favor upon her, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that same favor, that same grace has come upon every believer, that we have a future, that we have a hope, and can we re-respond re in faith as Mary did? Will you surrender to God to look for his support and his help through his word, through his people. And Christmas is a time to reflect upon the past, to rejoice in the present celebration of our Savior's birth and to prepare for the future and dependence upon God and interdependence on one another as the church is interdependent upon one another. Uh, this season, we join with other believers and the fact that we rest in God's never-ending love, faithful presence, and sure promises. You know, maybe we are a bunch of nobodies in one sense from the world's perspective, but we're here to exalt somebody, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, may we, whom he has redeemed by his precious blood, let our lives be one unceasing magnificent to praise to his glory, that we can sing with Mary praises to his glory. 
Well, next session we will look at Simeon. And I want to send you out with a benediction into your week. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Let me read this for you. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that so we may know him to, who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Amen and amen. Go in grace and peace. <laughs>